everyone, this is Shirley Brown, and this is episode 11 of the Unapologetically You podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the unique voice of every woman and to you living your life without apology. Here you can explore owning and unapologetically bringing your unique voice to your life, your work, your community, and the world. You can listen to all episodes by going to www.unapologeticallyliving.com and there you can sign up to receive all of our future episodes so that you don't miss anything. You can also find us on iTunes. If you look up Unapologetically You with Shirley Brown, you'll see us there and be sure to like us and that way you'll receive notifications also from iTunes. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Unapologetically You podcast with our host, Shirley Brown. Unwavering in her commitment that people live life from what matters most, Shirley brings unique skills from 30 years of transformational conversations and thousands of hours of experience in working with groups and individuals as a coach. She designs programs and offers coaching sessions which skillfully guide people toward the clarification and realization of living life aligned with what truly matters to them. Shirley is a master of transformational conversations. Here we are with our third episode on collective wisdom. We're continuing our conversation today with Pavna, Alisi, Kim, Najian, and Roya. If you haven't heard the previous episodes with them, go back to episode 9 and 10 and then come back to this episode. Today we're dipping deep into the heart of the matter of being a woman from a diverse ethnic, religious, or cultural background, or being someone of color, and how they have and continue to adapt. What these women speak about is relevant everywhere in the world for all of us. How do we be who we want to be when the world presses in labeling you according to a sweeping belief or, or stereotype? They speak of curiosity, how to stay strong, how to be true to oneself while not being seen or known, and that never-ending desire to connect and to be seen and known for who they truly are. This is a very touching and powerful conversation, and I hope that, like me, you find it opens your eyes and empowers you to reach out to women you meet in new ways. So let's join these beautiful women for the continuation of this conversation. Thank you. Roya, you had something else you wanted to say? Um, I just wanted to point out, you know, um, curiosity is really good. What, what is not as good is selective curiosity, which, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is, mm-hmm. and this is based on my own experience, and Kim is, is you know, it's real story. Um, So I have a British passport and I have an Iranian passport. And sometimes I enter the U.S. on my British passport. Sometimes I enter the U.S. on my Iranian passport. And I get treated so differently depending on which passport I use. From the moment I get on the plane to the moment I step off the plane, my luggage claim, getting through the border, security, you know, the checkpoint. Just because I'm the same person, I don't dress differently, I don't, you know, wear the headscarf when I'm traveling on my Iranian passport and not when I'm traveling on my British passport. The only thing that's different is my passport. And so I'm, I'm really curious to, to kind of see if anybody has any opinions on 
why is that? Why are, you know, why are people curious and are more comfortable when they think, you know, you're from Europe, like you were saying, Shirley, like it's more acceptable for people to be from certain parts of the world, but the same person coming now from the Middle East is suddenly treated differently. People get uncomfortable. People distance themselves. Um, it has gotten to the point where I normally don't tell people I'm, I'm half Iranian until, you know, I'm comfortable and I've known them for some time. I just tell people I'm British um, just because I've seen people's attitude and behavior change around me when they yeah. learn that I am half Iranian and, you know, I was raised in Iran. Um, and I think that is kind of like a selective curiosity. What, what happens there? You know, is it really mm-hmm. just people's nationality and where they come from? So you're more curious, not about me and learning about me and my story, but you're judging me based on where I come from. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you my experience. Uh, I have a Canadian passport. I mean, you've seen how I look. My husband is very dark and my daughter is, you know, somewhere in between. And when we drive back to Canada occasionally and we show them our passport, I mean, we've heard the immigration officer uh, talk to the guy before us uh, and say that, and he's obviously a Caucasian Canadian returning to Canada, and he'd look at his passport and say, oh, have a great visit or whatever, you know, welcome back or something like that. But very pleasant. When my husband showed him the passport, he says, so what brings you here? So my husband said, I'm a Canadian. That's what brings me here, you know? So he immediately felt that the way he was treated was different because of his yeah. skin color. And in Canada, uh, if you, uh, even if you're a Canadian citizen and you don't have the same skin color, they call you visible minority. You're not even minority, visible minority. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, I guess, you know, as an immigrant, one has to accept, uh, you know, status, which is not equal because uh, we are not originally from a certain country. And, you know, um, so they feel that, you know, uh, we, we are more like visitors who are, you know, being accepted and uh, we meet certain criteria so it's okay for us to live there and uh, you know and whatever said and done I still feel that I mean I really like living in U.S. you know despite whatever we're talking about the differences yeah. and uh, I, I mean there is a lot of diversity here in this country people come from different parts of the world and make a home and I feel uh, the acceptance, uh, because since I've lived in two other different countries and I've felt a bit alienated, I don't feel alienated to that extent. You know, I feel more welcome. And I feel, I mean, I also think sometimes that I could, you know, retire here and live the rest of my life in the U.S. Well, you know? I, think, I, think, 
I think, Pavna, that, that uh, I see, Kim, you have something you want to add, yeah? Yeah, but I wanted to say, I think what I'm, what's interesting is if, you know how when you say there's a fish that's swimming in the water, there's a fish that's swimming in the water, and you're swimming in the water, and the fish doesn't know it's in the water until you take it out of the water. And then it can look at the water. Oh, gosh, I was swimming in water. So you've been swimming in water where the, the I, what I'm hearing is the swimming in the water of being treated, however it is that you're treated, it's just the water. That way of being treated just becomes the water. It's just the way, it, this is, when you said, oh, we, we have to accept it, it's just the way that it is, it's the way and then mm, the way in which you have, have adapted to it being the way that it is, is, you know, it's kind of like when uh, Kim said that they were poor, and but they didn't know that they were poor. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, or when you, those times in life when you're really like working, you're going through a really, really, really difficult period in time in your life. And when the time is over and it's no longer difficult, you realize how incredibly hard that was, mm-hmm. but you just kept going. Right. So I want to kind of peel back a little bit that, um, that, what you've gotten used to, like what, 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 what has become, um, the water. Um, and cause that's the place in where it is that the, where it is that you've adapted, where it is that you've, you found your way to, you know, oh, well, whatever. And you just kind of let it go or you, you know, you, I mean, laughter is, is a good way to adapt when things are just in, you know, absurd um to be able to kind of look at it like the truth of the matter is is that we first of all as women we should be treated equally as every man right there's that not i'm not saying you know there is that i don't want to get on the the women against men sort of i don't want to get on that bandwagon with this conversation but we've all experienced being uh, diminished by men. We've all experienced having our voices not be as valuable or as important as a man's voice. I'm pretty sure that, that we've all had that experience. And then you add on to that, that you've also had the experience of being um, looked as less than or diminished further for your skin color for the place from which you came, where you were born, for having a scarf on your head, um, that there's an additional like thing that gets laid on there. And how have you, how, how has that been for you? How, what's that been like for you? What's the, you know, what's the, yeah. Uh, I'm curious that we want to kind of get into what, what was that? What, what's that been like? What's the, the real, like, the real experience of it that I could never understand, that other people, if they weren't you, could never understand because they haven't lived through that. Your own personal experience of what that's been like. And Kim, you had something you wanted to add. Do you still mm-hmm. want to add what, what, also what Bhavna was saying? 
Or do you want to briefly, because um, what Roya said, I think is so very important. And she said, I'm being treated differently just because of the passport that I'm using. And then I, the next conversation, and I don't want to mispronounce your name was maybe I've just, maybe it's just okay that that happened. To me, that's the form of racial profiling that is not okay. Yeah. That, that is um, one of the highest levels of something that's not okay is, from where I come from in my perspective. Um, I, I, I literally feel it if I have on my suit and my heels and I walk into the department store to if I wear these latest little jeans that are, you know, halfway torn and a little T-shirt and I like the ones that say something on them and a little jacket or something, or I don't curl my hair up. There is a completely different way that I am treated, and it's wrong. Yeah. It, is, it is just wrong. And so, no, I don't think, Roya, you should be treated differently because you have one passport or the other. To me, if you have the credentials and they are authentic and they are appropriate, then you should be treated appropriately, not be treated and pulled aside because something is different. And that racial profiling goes on and on and on, and it turns into microaggressions, which I call a little paper cut. And those little paper cuts begin to just add up. It's the little things that happen time and again every day that mounts up to them one day, you're like, I'll just stay home. You know, um, I, no matter what I do, I'm not going to assimilate. You know, now I'm trying to pick which passport do I use just so that I can be treated normal. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I understand completely how I dress and what I'm going to get. And now that I have passed that half century mark, I'm just tired. And I don't always want to put on the makeup and, and I don't anymore. And I don't always want to curl my hair and whatever curls are there from the day before. Sometimes you're just going to have to accept it. I can't make it always look perfect. And I'm tired of it. And my son gave up a long time ago while me ironing all those clothes. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying it, it, there's a word for what's happening. And we've almost normalized it. Yeah. We've almost said this is just the way we're going to live. Yeah. And because and people are just now saying that's just the way it is. You've just got to accept it and move on. And I'm saying, no, um, my passion is strong about it because I do live it. And I feel like I live it daily. And I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. My whole career is built upon me not stealing. I'm in financial services. I will never go and steal something. Not that little shirt that's at the airport. Not that little something that's at the store. It, never. It just won't happen. Mm-hmm. But I know I will be followed. And so like I shared with you, Shirley, I actually have games where sometimes I follow people back. There's different ways to fight things. Have you ever followed somebody in the store after they followed you? It can be quite hilarious sometimes. So you just make little things to do out of it that twist it around and let somebody else feel what it feels like when I stand right beside you, shoulder to shoulder, and pick up the same shirt that you're picking up, or I count how many things are in your basket, or, you know, I do something to you because I saw what you were doing to me, and I know you're the security guard because I tend to go to the same stores and I now almost know all of them. Why should I know them? I just don't think it's okay. Yeah. It's a little paper cut. It's not a big issue, mm-hmm. but it, it mounts up over and over and over to be a big issue. Well, and I think that it, it, it also, uh, you know, it also drains the resource that 
you are, the, res- the resource that you are, the resource that Roya is, the resource that Pavna is, the resource that Elise is, the, re- the resource that Najian is, that there's a resource that you are, a wi- there's the wisdom that you have, there's the voice that you have. And when there's that thing is there, keeps happening, it, it's like drain, it drains, drains from that resource, drains from what it is that you have to contribute, what it is that the difference is that, that you're here to make. It's like you have to do that at the same time that you're dealing with this versus that's gone and you just get to do that. You just get to do what you're here for, right? So I just want to underline that because I, I think that that was actually one of the points in um, – in the thinnest line in that book about the economic value of diversity, like the voices and the points and the, anyways, there's a whole, there's more in there. I'm not going to get into that because I'll probably not <laughs> um, represent it quite as brilliantly as she wrote it. But anyways, thank you, Kim. I think that's great. Now, Jean, what did you want to add? So what Kim is talking about adaptability, I can, I can really relate to, but it's also really, painful to face. So I wear this headscarf and people have these assumptions about what that means, that I don't speak English, that I'm not educated, um, that I'm not from this country. Um, you name it. There's a whole, there's a whole list of things that it means to other people when I wear a headscarf. So I've taken all these steps to adapt. I got an Ivy league education I speak English at every opportunity I can. In fact, I'm outspoken. And sometimes I wonder, is this really who I am? Or have I become a caricature of something that I'm trying not to be? Like, well, if they think Muslim women are oppressed, maybe I should talk more. Um, or if they don't think I'm educated, maybe I should get more education. And, and there's this self-doubt that happens of what am I doing? Am I being a crowd pleaser now? Or am I trying to manipulate who I am so I'll be received differently? And that's like an insane cycle. Um, and it didn't occur to me until recently because someone said to me, oh, you know, you look so nice. I was wearing this really long jacket. And I said, thank you for saying that because I was really self-conscious wearing this, you know, long dress. I feel like it's too Muslim. People are going to see me in a dress and be like, of course you're going to wear a dress. That's what, you know, Muslim women wear. And um, the funniest thing is she said, you know, whether you wear a dress or not, whether you wear sneakers or not, all people see is that you're a Muslim. Your identity has already been simplified and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the, that's the sad reality. Um, I feel like what Kim is saying that's great. Now you look like an educated black person, or now you look like a wealthier black person, but people still see that you're black. People still see that I'm Muslim and that still means something to them. And it doesn't, it's, it's this disconnect of who I see myself as and who you see me as. And I've been making all these efforts to try to get you to see me how I see me. And it's really defeating and frustrating when none of it works. Well, Najian just gave us another rewind moment, you know, to the question about how it is that she finds herself doing things to try to have people see her for the human being that she is. 
instead of what they think she is because of how she dresses, because of the headscarf she wears. And finding herself at the place where she's wondering, is this really who I am? Are these things that I'm doing in this way that I'm acting really truly who I am? Or is this all just what I'm doing to try to have people see me? And the other point that she made at the very end there was, you know, the frustration that there is there in trying so hard and in so many ways and again and again it just not working. So I just wanted to underline what she said there and if you want, rewind, re-listen. It's worth hearing again. Let's continue listening to Najian. And so I'm thinking maybe now the next step of this grand social experiment I'm calling my life is how about I just be myself and maybe some people will actually get to know me and maybe a lot of people won't and they'll still assume all these things about me. And I think that's where what Bhavna was saying comes in. And I guess that's just going to be the way it is. I can't fight everyone all the time. I can't convince everyone all the time. So I've reached a point where now I'm picking my battles. Who do I really want to be friends with and get them to get to know me? And who just, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm just going to move on and let their microaggression pass. Let their insensitive comment pass and move on. Yeah. There's a a saying that um, I've repeated um, recently. I just was repeating it to my son. Um, What they think about you is none of your business. It's just like what they think about me is none of my business. I don't. Like, let them think whatever they think. You know, I'm just going to keep doing what there is to do. Sure, but that gets harder when there's power behind it, like your passport. Oh, what TSA thinks of me is none of my business. Well. Yeah, you're right. You're dead right. Yeah. What the police thinks of me is none of my business. Well. Yeah. And well, well, then there's the safety. It's fine until it becomes that it's not safe, where you're you're not safe. You know, I'm going to have this boing in these episodes for those moments where I say something where I'm really certain that it fits for everybody. And then what I discover in the conversation is that I'm a little naive in what I said. So this is one of those moments, a boing moment. Alisi? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to add something that um, uh, we were talking about. Uh, you live in a different country and you have to adapt this um, uh, it's a lot of efforts uh, that we put at, at least I felt like that in adapting and adapting and trying to connect with a uh, few people at least and sometimes uh, because people are not so receptive uh, from the other side to get to know us well as human beings as you said at the beginning of the, the interview sometimes it, i don't know if you, all of you sh- feel like that but sometimes we feel alone uh, because there's so much efforts mm-hmm. in adapting in adapting adapting you feel like you you are lacking from the other side a little bit uh, f- feel in home sometimes basically say, say that say that last thing Say the last thing you don't feel in home. You don't uh, feel at home. A lot of, yeah, sometimes yeah. you you don't feel, especially because uh, I'm a, a married to American man, so I'm uh, the efforts of adaptation is are 
when I get in home, I'm not interacting with Brazilians. I'm not mm-hmm. interacting. I'm interacting again with uh, um, uh, uh, American culture. So I think it sometimes is a, a yeah. It's a lot of putting a lot a lot of in terms of adaptation, and then you don't feel sometimes mm. uh, nothing coming to your world to get to know as you. As you are, yeah. you have this barrier of you are Brazilian. That's it. So, so Brazilian, that uh, South American country, a lot of corruption. They have a carnival, and and that uh, is a crazy country, a lot of violence, and that's it. So there is a label there. You come from there, and a Latin American person. So it's it's, it's difficult, and sometimes to um, to really get connected. Uh, yeah. Um, with with people i can tell like i i for me it was very difficult at the beginning because uh, brazilians are are supposed not as i'm, I'm talking general brazilians in general we are very warm and then we touch uh, a lot uh, when mm-hmm. you meet someone we hug and, and we kiss and so friend we we we, we 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 need a lot of contact physical contact and that's one thing you can't do here at all. Like people don't uh, interact physically with others. So that was for me was a very uh, tough process of say hi, just hi, or giving a hand, or just like just mm-hmm. with a saying hello. So I learned to do that, and so that for me was a process of completely disconnecting because we connect physically so i, I had yeah. to learn something that it was really hard because that's the way we connect with people like you hugging you mm. so uh, it is a lot mm. of adaptation and that process can be um, very solitary but yeah. also yeah. there's a but also there's a good thing on the side because you learn a lot about yourself when you interact with other culture. You learn a lot about sure. your, what your strengths and your uh, faults. About your, so you, you, that, that connection make, makes you get very aware of yourself and learn about yourself and about your culture, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to underline that. Uh, I thank you. I just loved it. Um, was really moved by all that you said and the 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 feeling like the experience of feeling alone the the desire to connect and um Nadia, when you said um there was a part that you said too oh when you said the thing about doing all these things that you're doing and then you're wondering if you're doing them if it's really you or if you've actually kind of lost yourself right I hear the similar thing, Alicia, in what you're saying. And, um, um, and given that this, you know, the podcast and the work that we're doing with the podcast is about being unapologetically you, I'd like to take this last part of the time that we're here together to explore a little bit. Like if, if you were truly unapologetically you, like, and when I mean unapologetically you, I don't mean you know, go out and be angry and just unapologetically angry. Like you don't have to be responsible for your actions. I mean, more like there's an essence of who you are. There's that spark. There's that, um, before all the adaptations to be able to 
make it, to be able to fit in, to be able to survive before you did all of those things, you know, the puffing and powdering, Kim, that you talk about, or the, um, you know, the various, whatever your various version is, before all of that, that essence of who you are, that little person that had whatever those twinkle were, the twinkle that was in your eye that really lit you up about the world or lit you up about being alive, that part of you being completely free to express. Like without, and again, if, and this is a, you know, this is like a, I'm asking you to imagine if you lived in a world where you didn't, there wasn't the, cultural dynamic that presses in on you in the various ways that it does, that it wasn't there, that you were free, really truly free to be and do and create whatever that is that you wanted unapologetically, like free. What would that be for you? What would you do? What would your life look like? And that question and how the women responded will be our next episode on collective wisdom. Until then, I invite you to notice how is it that you're adapting to the cultural environment in which you live? And how is it that you view people who are different than you are? Where are the automatic assumptions that you have about those people, the way in which they dress, their skin color, their accent? And in doing so, remember the words of these women. You know, there is no escaping it. We all live inside of a cultural environment. Like fish swimming in water, we swim in that environment. And when we become aware of the cultural environment and how it influences us, we have the power to shift our perspective. And in that shifting of perspective, we can act more in alignment with what truly is in our hearts. I believe that we all want to belong. We all want to matter. We want to connect to one another. And I hope that this this series empowers you in your connection to the world around you. Remember, all episodes of Unapologetically You can be found at www.unapologeticallyliving.com or on iTunes. And sign up in both places. Uh, follow, Follow our podcast on iTunes, like us, and also sign up on the website and you'll receive our updates as we as we release them and with that today i sign off unapologetically surely this podcast is dedicated to you unapologetically living life with balance vision and intentional action here you can explore owning your unique voice and unapologetically bringing that voice to your life your work your community and the world.